Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Welcome into part two of our live For the People Listener League draft. This is a 16-team head-to-head categories league with OBP, net stolen bases instead of just stolen bases, quality starts instead of wins, and saves plus holds instead of saves. Uh, Fun fact, this is Scott White's favorite format to play in. No, incorrect, <laughs> wrong. Uh, but let's uh, let's talk about the picks that are going on. We left off at the end of round nine, so we'll start up with round ten here. Lucas Giolito, who's actually had a very good spring. He's he was one of the hardest players for me to rank this year. I don't mm-hmm. have a single share of him. It wouldn't surprise me if he makes me look absolutely foolish and pays off top twenty starting pitcher value once again. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he's somebody we want to drop halfway through the season. So a complete wild card is uh, Lucas Giolito, but I think he's... While, while the other comeback candidates, Jake Flaherty and Jose Barrios, look terrible this spring, Giolito That's true. did look much better. He was actually getting strikeouts at a good rate and velocity you know, was down. delivering good outings. Yeah, velocity yeah. was down. It was down last year, too. I don't think it was down even further, was it? Uh, I know he was in like the 91, 92 range more often than not. Okay. And I saw quotes where he said he's not worried about it. He's more so. Nobody's ever worried about it. Yeah. He's focusing, (laughs) especially Zach Greinke, right? This time. Zach Greinke's the only, I think there was one time he said he was worried about it. And other than that. Yeah. Other than that. Yeah. He's the, that's the only person who's ever admitted they were worried about their velocity being low. Uh, But Giolito said he's really focusing on executing his pitches, a four pitch mix. So he's typically been, uh, four-seam changeup and slider. So, you know, working in a fourth pitch now, if if he can execute all of them, maybe he doesn't need that uh, 93, 94, 95 mile per hour fastball velocity. After Giolito, Yandy Diaz, who does get quite a boost in the OBP format, Brian Hayes, uh, Riley Green, Josh Bell, Alec Bohm. Scott, you're up. Uh, who? Which prospect are you taking next? I actually think... 
I'm going to take Eugenio Suarez. Oh, interesting. Yeah, a little behind in the power categories. And uh, he gives me some flexibility since Jordan Walker will be able to shift to the outfield soon. Uh, and, he, you know, he actually draws a fair number of walks. So he, even though he hit 230-something last year, he reached base at a 330-something clip. If he can repeat it, which is a big if. Mm-hmm. Scott, how do you feel about drafting a player in Suarez where you're just drafting him to fit a need, but he's not technically a target of yours or someone that you find yourself drafting often because I did this in my, my main event draft over at the NFBC and it's, it's probably not <laughs> the draft that you want to do that in because it's uh, obviously a lot of money, but uh, I, I found myself a little bit behind in speed and I needed a third baseman. I said, all right, I'm going to take Suarez even though I don't really target him often. Um, but yeah, when you need power, you just you just kind of you got to go for it. Well, yeah, I mean that's that was basically the rationale there. I'm not a big Suarez guy or anything. Uh, I just was looking at the players who are capable of providing big power numbers, and I thought he, I thought he presented the best fit. Uh, like I said, the power sources at this stage of the draft are, are less attractive overall than I think the speed sources. Um, so you just took Hunter Renfro. I considered him as well. Suarez actually got on base about 20 points higher than Renfro did last year. And because Walker, who I already have slotted at third base, I, I could shift to outfield. I, I thought it made more sense for me to go ahead and get a little insurance at third base rather than take another outfielder, especially since there are a lot of outfielders I like still. So, yeah, Hunter Renfro, if he had made it back to me, I would have taken him too, but I went for Suarez in this particular draft. And that was a great pick that just happened. Let's talk about it. After I took Renfro, Jake Cronenworth, also solid for OBP. Tristan Casas, I mean, if everything works out for him, one of the main skills for him is uh, the eye at the plate, being Mm -hmm. able to draw walks, get on base, there's been talks that he could lead off against right-handed pitching this season. I feel like the Red Sox have mentioned every player on their roster <laughs> as a leadoff candidate against right-handed pitching, so we'll see who actually wins that. But uh, I think Tristan Casas excels in a format like this. Kind of interesting thing about Tristan Casas, I wrote about him today. I wrote about the prospects who made the opening day roster and the ones who didn't. He has never had an uh, a slugging percentage over 500 in a minor league season, which is kind of interesting that it, you know, the, the comp that it made me think of is like maybe more like an early career, uh, Freddie Freeman, like a pre breakout. Obviously that would be closer to a best case scenario, but it might be a situation where like Tristan Casas as a left-handed hitter at, at course or at Fenway, which is a tough park for home runs for lefties. You know, maybe he's more of a batting average and an OBP guy than a home runs guy. It's possible. Obviously, the the raw power is there, you know. Yeah, so it might just be not optimized. It's definitely possible for uh, Tristan Casas. He got three home runs this spring to go along with five doubles and a five eighty two slug. So take that, Chris. <laughs> He's doing it. Well, I did say at a minor league season. <laughs> that that is yeah, that is fair. After Casas, Yoan Duran. I think also a great pick for the reasons we talked about. Andres Munoz earlier, Kenley Jansen. Uh, Jorge Polanco at the end of round 10, followed by Jesus Lazardo and Pablo Lopez. So 
a either Marlin or former Marlin starting pitcher run. And uh, yeah, yeah. Pitchers, pitchers thinning out pretty quickly here. I was disappointed to see Joe Ryan go because I think he'll be a quality start machine. And uh, so he went three picks after my Suarez pick just before your Hunter Renfro pick, Frank, in round 10. Right. And then, you know, part of my thinking was, well, Jesus Lazardo is still out there. Surely Jesus Lazardo is going to go before Joe Ryan. It didn't happen. And like, it's another situation where like Lazardo, is he going to be going six innings consistently enough to deliver the quality starts you want? Probably. But there are durability questions there in a way there, there aren't for Joe Ryan. So I, I kind of get it. Again, it's a weird format and I feel like because it's so atypical, uh, we're all, we're all kind of flying blind with it. Like, our, our expectations for where players, when players should go are, are basically out the window and we're kind of all being driven by our guts right now, which is why, um, you know, I, I don't know that this is going to be the most helpful of the live mock draft podcast we've done, but I mean, blame Heath Cummings. <laughs> ju- just to be clear, I do have a spreadsheet. Oh, all right. Sneaky, sneaky, Chris. But you're, you're just relying on something someone else put together, right? The I spreadsheet mean, is my gut, Scott. Okay. <laughs> I'm just imagining a picture of your gut on a spreadsheet now. <laughs> that's what you're working off of right now. After Pablo Lopez, Ty France, Pete Fairbanks, love it, and Anthony Rendon. I am up. And I've got uh, I've got like 12 seconds, so I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit early for this guy, but I don't want to give Scott two opportunities to draft him, and I need speed. So I'm going to go ahead and select Garrett Mitchell. It's a little bit early at 166. Yep, starting, pitcher, guys. starting pitcher is dwindling. Um, starting pitcher is dwindling, but I don't know that there's a huge difference between a lot of the names that are left. So I think I'll be all right just waiting and, and seeing who makes it back to me. I have three starters so far in uh, Freed, Darvish, and Jeffrey Springs. Yeah, pretty high floor. Can- and so upside with spring, so I'm all right with it. I'm I'm assuming everyone who's drafting with us is watching. Someone take Jeremy Pena because I want to take a shortstop, but I don't want to take Jeremy Pena. <laughs> but I don't want to move this shortstop ahead of Jeremy Pena in my rankings. I can't justify that. So someone please take Jeremy Pena for me. Thank you. Mm, now I'm trying to figure it out, but all right. It, I have a guess. Ah, yes, I think I do as well. Anywho, after I took Garrett Mitchell, Tyler Stevenson. Ah, that's pretty good value for, for Stevenson at this point. 167th overall. Yeah, we haven't really talked about him, but there, there's been some interesting like playing time notes where he's not really going to play catcher all that often. I think the, the goal is 65 games at catcher and the rest is going to be at DH and first base. And like Tyler Stevenson could be one of those guys who is surprisingly viable in part, you know, obviously if he hits as well as he has the last few seasons, he's going to be viable either way. But, you know, if he gets to 550, 600 plate appearances, all of a sudden that profile looks even better. Yep. Yep. So it could be a volume play this season for Tyler Stevenson, Freddie Peralta, and then Kyle Wright. Uh, I was really thinking, good value on Kyle Wright. I, I think that's, that's going to work out well. I was thinking about Kyle Wright too. He apparently is going to start on the IL as he continues to get built up, uh, building up that shoulder which 
He had a little bit of a late start to spring, um, but it sounds like he'll only miss two starts and the rotation could be back by mid-ish, late April, you know, third week, something like that, uh, second, third week. So good value for Kyle Wright at 169th. Scott, you are on the clock in round 11. I'm going to take Ezekiel Tovar. I knew that's who Chris wanted. <laughs> I knew it is too. <laughs> Scott, Come on. Scott continues uh, the trend of the greatest dynasty team ever drafted here in a live yeah. live draft. I hesitated, like, and I probably wouldn't have thought of it if Chris hadn't brought that up. I'm so upset. <laughs> um, well, Chris, now you got to take Jeremy Pena. So I probably and then do. I was about to take Kyle Wright, and of course he went right before my pick. So uh, I, I had some other players I was considering there, but if if Tovar is a power speed threat at shortstop, as I think he could be. And I don't think he'll walk a lot, but Coors Field, I mean, the batting average could be solid. He had well over 300 in the minors last year. Uh, I've, I've talked about him being probably the most underdrafted player. I do already have a shortstop in O'Neill Cruz, but uh, I could slot. Like, it, it's not a bad idea to have Cruz insurance, and I could slot Tovar in at utility in the meantime. Cruz insurance like a, like a life preserver? <laughs> something like that yeah no I, I was i was thinking today about ezekiel tovar and like how much excitement there is for jordan walker and anthony volpe and, and for good reason they're very good players they are better real life prospects than ezekiel tovar and the rockies have very much earned the benefit whatever the opposite of the benefit <laughs> of the doubt is with benefit the way they've developed and the way they've handled their young players over the past frankly decade I mean, really, since like Trevor Story is the last even halfway decent. I guess Ryan McMahon's halfway decent. <laughs> uh, Trevor Story is the last good player that they've developed. So like they are a team that is very reasonable to be like, I just don't trust them. But Ezekiel Tovar, I mean, his minor league numbers are a lot better than Anthony Volpe's, especially last season. Obviously, the stolen base totals are very different, but he's also got course field and like, I don't know, in a neutral context, I think a hundred pick difference between where Volpe and, and Walker are going and where Tovar are going makes sense. But the fact that Tovar is going to play half his games at course field, I think that gap needs to be a lot smaller. Yeah. Two things, two things. You talked about how Walker and Volpe are much better prospects than Tovar. They are consensus top five prospects overall. Yes. Tovar's top 25 consensus prospects. Mm-hmm. So let's not sell his prospects standing short. And because we've mentioned Volpe's batting average a couple times already, I will note, again, it was very cold at where he was playing double-A Somerset early last year. It held Oswald Peraza back, too. Uh, final 93 games last year, Volpe hit 274. Uh, final, let's do more arbitrary endpoints here. <laughs> Was no, that final X games at double A? Because he was also not great at triple A. Uh, no, I counted triple A. If you do final X games at double A, then much I'm sure it's much better. Yeah, final final 72 games at double A, 286 is what Volpe hit. And we should mention so, that two years ago, Volpe hit 294 in the minors. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It was obviously at lower levels. I believe it was at, yeah, high, uh, just A ball and, and high A. But I'm expecting something in the 250, maybe 260 range from Volpe this year. If it's 240, would it be the shock at the century? 
I doubt he hits 220. Right. Uh, let's catch people up on picks. I said there was a bunch of pitchers left. Well, they're not left anymore. <laughs> uh, Scott Tovar after that. Ian Happ, David Robertson, Chris Reed Detmers. I might have outsmarted myself. Scott, would you have taken Garrett Mitchell with either of these picks? Uh, I, I don't know. I wasn't thinking. I wasn't, I wasn't planning my next pick yet at the point you took him, but he, he wouldn't have been far away from me thinking about him. Okay. Well, because I was debating. If Chris hadn't mentioned he wanted a shortstop, maybe I would have. Yeah, I was debating Garrett Mitchell and Reed Detmers. And I'm inconsolable. Maybe I should have taken Detmers. Anywho, after Detmers goes, Jesse Winker, Luis Severino, Miles Michaelis. One of the, what are we going with today? Golden Girls. Golden Girls, okay. Uh, Scott would disagree. Let's get into round 12. Luis Arise, Rysel Iglesias, who is going to start off with uh, some low-grade shoulder inflammation. Uh, but they're expecting it to be a minimal stay on the IL, assuming no setbacks. We'll see what happens with Rysel Iglesias. Seiya Suzuki, who has been uh, swinging a bat, likely to start on the IL with, uh, with an oblique injury, but could be back sometime late April, maybe early May. Chris did get Jeremy Pena. Lower OBP, but um, yeah, I'm I'm. Gosh, I got thrown off because Esteri Ruiz. I went. love it. I was gonna double tap Ruiz and Garrett Mitchell just for a bunch of steals. It's probably not a good strategy, but I don't know. I thought it would have been fun. Anywho, I can't do that anymore. Um, Pena, look, kind of free swinger. Um, again, lower OBP. Probably gonna hit like two fifty, two sixty. But yeah, this, power and speed, and as long as Altuve's out, I, I think he's going to be near the top of the Astros lineup. So, Yeah, this is actually the first time I've drafted him uh, in a 2023 draft. So I'm not super excited about it, but you know, it's 70 picks after his ADP. Even in an OBP league, I, I think the value is fine. I just I find it sort of under underwhelming, but it's fine. Let's talk about another one of these picks I played here. myself. Uh, after Pena went, Grayson Rodriguez, Esteori Ruiz, Scott goes ahead and takes uh, Merrill Kelly. So, you know, once you see one of them out, Rushmore, they all start to go. And, and, and because this is a quality start league, right. uh, I, I think that, as you pointed out earlier, Frank, that's more reason to prioritize it. There are a couple pitchers that in a typical league I would take ahead of Merrill Kelly for the upside. They're still out there. But I think I had to prioritize that uh, – his his ability to pile up quality starts because he pitches deep into games and limits runs well enough. Scott, let's talk about Grayson Rodriguez because we got duped. Will not be in the opening day rotation for the Baltimore yeah. Orioles, and he was officially optioned to AAA after a rough spring here. We heard, I don't know, late February that he was going to be in the Orioles rotation. Uh, I you know I guess a, a bad spring uh, changed their decision. What are we doing with Grayson Rodriguez? Are we still drafting him and stashing him in the meantime? I, I don't think it's a bad idea. It's it's probably not on that much higher of a level than we're doing with Brandon Fott. I, I do think they're, the Orioles... Look, the Orioles wanted him in the rotation. They expected him to be in the rotation. That's That's why we were surprised. The surprise was that Grayson Rodriguez didn't step up and take the job. He, none of his starts were particularly good this spring. And you don't want to put somebody who – a prospect who you value that much, who think is that big of a part of your future, you don't want to put him in a position 
where he's just going to lose a ton of confidence. So it, it, it was surprising in the sense that the Orioles hadn't hinted they were going to send him down, but it wasn't surprising in the sense that, well, he didn't really earn the job. So, yeah. um, but I, I, I moved him down to the point where I wouldn't be drafting him here where he went. I moved him down. So I do have him a little ahead of Brandon Fott, but Grayson Rodriguez is now behind Trevor Rogers for me. Uh, in the same range as like Nathan Avaldi and Jose Urquidy, that range of pitchers. Obviously, depending on your format, you might want to prioritize upside. You might want to prioritize security more. But, I, uh, but that's I I'm will doing. say I could see it being a situation where like a different situation, obviously. But like remember Reed Detmers last year? We talk about when he went down and fixed himself. It was one start that Reed Detmer was down. It was like. 18 days or something, but he missed a couple of turns in the rotation. The way Mike Elias was talking about, it, he's the Baltimore uh, GM was that would be their hope, you know, and, and obviously look, general managers lie to the media constantly. Uh, it's part of the job and, you know, it could be some kind of service time thing. Although this is a team that is acutely aware that playing service time games can backfire. I don't think they did that with, uh, Adley Rutschman, but he didn't play a full season last year. He got a full season of service time anyway because he finished top two in rookie of the year voting. So they know, and every team knows, but they know that just keeping a guy down doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get that extra year of service time. Especially and and, and he had an guy. injury. Rutschman had an injury, so it was a different yes, yes, No, that, that's what I mean. They didn't, they didn't, I mean, there was probably a little bit of it, but that, Either way, they he didn't get the full year of service time. He didn't play the full year, but he still got the full year of service time. That's what can happen now with the new rules. So the the incentives are steered away from uh, keeping guys down in a way that the Orioles saw last year firsthand. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess from from the perspective of thinking about draft pick compensation, the Orioles are still going to have Gunnar Henderson up on opening day, and he's the favorite to win the AL mm-hmm. Rookie of the Year or at least finish top three. So either way, they're probably in good position to to wind up with draft pick compensation. But uh, in the meantime, Grayson Rodriguez is sent down, and uh, hopefully he gets back on track, and we'll see him soon in the majors. I, I think it'll be soon. I, I'm, I didn't move him down too much. After Scott took Merrill Kelly, we saw Justin Turner. Does play up a little bit in OBP. Camilo Duvall. Uh, Joey Manessis, who had a a great WBC, hit some home runs against Team USA. I took Drew Rasmussen. I don't know how many quality starts he's going to give me, but I think I'll get... Yeah, he, he had nine last year. That was specifically the player I was referring to who I'd normally take over Merrill Kelly. Right. Mm-hmm. But because it's a quality start league. And, and you know, maybe, maybe he gets better, but he pitches for the Rays, who are notorious for not letting pitchers face a lineup a third time through. That is fair. I believe it was... His final six starts, six or seven, he went six plus in, in every one of them but one. And I think one of them he had like a near no hitter, so he went into the ninth inning. So uh, we'll see if that carries over for Rasmussen. But I, I do think he's a talented pitcher. Just let him go deeper into his starts. Paul Seawald, Alex Verdugo, Martin Perez, not Rushmore, Josh Young, and Ryan McMahon. We are into round 13. Jordan Montgomery, who kind of has like a Rasmussen thing on, like. I think he's a pretty good pitcher, but I don't know how often he's going to go six. I feel like he's... It, it, it kept him from getting wins last year. He had nine wins and 32 starts. Right. 
I feel like he's a classic Jordan Montgomery, like five innings, two runs. It's like yeah. uh, like a, a solid start, doesn't kill you, doesn't help you, he's just, he's fine. Uh, after Jordan Montgomery, Brady Singer, Jeff McNeil, and Patrick Sandoval. Sandoval is someone that we've talked up throughout spring training. He looked good in, in WBC. Looked awesome. Uh, yeah. Talking about hopefully using his uh, his changeup more this year and develop that slider last season as well. Uh, and then David Bednar goes off the board. Uh, I wonder when I should start to consider relievers. I haven't really thought about it at all. Uh, but I am on the clock, so I should probably figure out what I want to do. Uh, what does this team need? Uh, I've got four pitchers. Uh, I don't think there's anyone I want to take here. Uh, I need a utility bat. <laughs> and uh, Brandon Drury is a calling, Frank. No, 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 no. No, he's not. Maybe he's calling you, not calling mm-hmm. me. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, J.D. Martinez on the bounce back from my utility spot. I don't know why. It's definitely a psychological thing. Whenever I have a util spot open... I kind of want to fill it with a util-only player. You don't need to do that at all. But sometimes I just want to. I don't know why, but it just it's like a mental thing that happens in my head. Uh, but J.D. Martinez, I, I think this is the second time I've drafted him. I got him in our Memorial Magazine salary cap league that we did uh, probably three, four weeks at this point now. Um, yeah, just buying the bounce back a little bit. And look, we're around pick 200, so it's not a, a great investment, crazy investment into him. Um, but hitting in the middle of the Dodgers lineup, hopefully, could give me some counting stats and a solid OBP to boot. Well, I was debating J.D. Martinez and Jared Kelnick, and, and he just went, so there goes that. Love the value on Kodai Senga at 199. I continue to love the value for him across the board. I I, I wonder if like there would be more hype around him if, uh, if he had thrown the forkball more during the spring because he didn't really use it all that much, and it, by all accounts, is his best pitch, and... I don't know. I, I, I just I get that he's older and there are a little bit of injury concerns and, and some control questions about him. But like, yeah. I don't know, man. Can you imagine the reaction if we had like a 23 year old starter come out throwing like 95 to 99 miles an hour with a huge breaking ball and a, a really, really yeah. good splitter? Well, I we'd mean, be, we'd be blowing our tops. We'd be we'd be pushing that guy into the top 150 and. And yeah, because his, his downsides wouldn't be as ingrained yet. And I, I just think Kodai Seng is going to be a bad source of whip. That's that's mainly what it comes down to for me. Yeah, sure. I, I don't think he's a bad pick here, but this is about the point where I'd consider him in this league. No, I, I, I think, like, I get why the, the cost is so minimal for him. I just, I do wonder if, like, we're outsmarting ourselves a little bit or that we're, like, not accounting for enough upside for a guy making because like his strikeout numbers are good for Japan, but people don't strike out as often in Japan as well. So like yeah. he's like a 10.5 K per nine guy in Japan. Well, he could yeah. be an 11 K per nine guy in the majors with, with how much more guys strike out. Obviously it I, I, requires I, the stuff to translate, but I just, yeah. I think there's, there's plenty of upside there, I guess is the way I would put it. I, I think it's partly a reflection of just how much deeper starting pitcher is that we don't have to, Sure. We don't have to invest so much in a taking a stab in the dark like that, particularly for a pitcher who who does have pretty obvious downsides. Mm-hmm. I mean, he it, it's true he could be like 
he could stay healthier than we expect. He could approach 200 strikeouts and be, you know, a top 25 type starting pitcher in fantasy. That is a possibility. I just think it's it's not, there are some pitchers that, left who were top yeah. 25 pitchers in fantasy last year. Yeah, I just it, it's weird that there's just like seemingly no hype about a guy who got a $75 million contract this offseason. <laughs> who uh, also like throws 99, you know, can hit 99. A few tweets here from Anthony DeComo, who covers the Mets for MLB.com regarding Kodai Senga, who made a uh, start in an intra-squad game on Monday. Uh, he threw five scoreless innings against a team of prospects, so obviously not the greatest competition. But apparently he threw about a dozen ghost fork balls in that outing. So uh, it's nice to see him start to use that pitch a little bit more. I know he was dealing with a bit of a finger injury, they mm-hmm. say. Sometimes it can happen when a pitcher comes over from Japan. They just grip the ball a little bit too the hard. The baseballs are different. The baseballs yeah. are a little bigger here, yeah. and they're slicker. They're Slick. yeah, they're not. They're pre-tacked in Japan, is the way they they refer to it. So they have better grip. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, but after Kodai Senga, let's catch people up. Jared Kelnick, Noah Syndergaard, Scott took Oscar Colas. <laughs> finally, finally, I liked him more. I liked him before anyone else did, and this is the first time I got Oscar Colas in. A league we're playing out. Granted, he's what my fifth rookie. I was going to say, Scott, <laughs> how many prospects is too many prospects? It might be this many. Yeah, <laughs> it might be. Um, but alas, I have five. Yeah, five prospects. He's made the White Sox and uh, should be a contributor. I, I don't know how much he's going to walk. He's you know he's more of a free swinger type, but uh, I think the batting average White should be Sox higher. Have a type. Yeah. yeah. Could hit for average, should hit for power, which I'm more concerned about anyway. Right. I, I got a really sturdy uh, OBP base. I feel like between Freeman and Carroll, so I'm not I'm not too stressed about OBP at this point. If you are stressed about OBP in, in the pick 200 range, you might as well just give up because <laughs> there's there's no salvaging it at this point. Yeah. Again, a, a sharp room where the players who do get boosted up in OBP were drafted earlier. Uh, guys like Yandy Diaz, I remember, you know, went, went about pick uh, 150 because does walk a lot and obviously um, is better in a format like this. After Oscar Colas, Alexis Diaz, Nico Horner, Chris took Trevor Rogers for the hashtag brand, TJ Friedel, Tyro Estrada, and Luis Garcia. We are into round 14. Ahmed Rosario, Tristan McKenzie, pick 210. If you missed the news earlier, he's dealing with a, it was a shoulder injury, right, Chris? Yeah, it's a, a muscle on the back of the shoulder, so not not a ligament issue. Doesn't sound like it's as worrying as it could be, but he's not going to throw for two-plus weeks, and timeline is likely eight eight weeks until he's back. Okay, well, uh, after Tristan McKenzie, Brendan fought at pick 211, starting pitcher prospect for the Diamondbacks, and he's interesting, too, because this is a quality start format, and he led the minors in innings pitch last year, and he goes deep. For a, for a prospect. So I think that that will be something that is part of his skill set this season. Alec Thomas went to Chris. Brandon Drury, Gabriel Moreno. Love it. Great pick at this point, 214. Uh, Jake Fraley to Scott and uh, Jack Flaherty. Uh, Chris, talk to me about Alec Thomas. How much are you expecting him to play for the Diamondbacks from, from, uh, from the jump here? Yeah, I do think there are some concerns about it. It's a bet on talent, though. If Alec Thomas is good, I think he's going to play quite a bit. He's a very, very talented player who obviously 
did not play particularly well in his first taste of the majors last season, 619 OPS. However, he is still only 22. He turns 23 on uh, August 28th. Almost happy birthday to Alec Thomas, born in 2000. That makes me feel old. Uh, but he's put up really good numbers in the minors as a, as a young player. I mean, we're not talking about like a 24, 25 year old. He was 21 in 2021 and he had a 953 OPS between double A and triple A. Overall, he's played 61 games at AAA. He has a 1024 OPS. That's in Reno. That's in the PCL. All the caveats apply. It's inflated offense, but he's got the potential to be, you know, a guy who steals some bases, a guy who hits for a little bit of power and, and gets on base. So I, I do think Alec Thomas is someone in the later rounds should be on your uh, on your radar. All right, for those watching us live on YouTube, you probably just saw me load up a bunch of relievers in my queue, and now. Now that everyone could see, they're probably going to take all of them, but uh, I just needed to remind myself of who's available. And I'm going to go ahead and take uh, take one of those names in Jason Adam, who was one of the best relievers in baseball last year. Amazing ratios, good amount of strikeouts, pitches for Tampa Bay. Uh, we have no idea if he will get saves for the team, but there's a good chance he gets holds. So I like drafting talented relievers on good teams in a format like this. And Jason Adam fits that description let's take our another break here uh we are into part two uh but when we get back we'll catch you up on fantasy baseball today take your business further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card you can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit u.s restaurants and gas stations that's the powerful backing of american express Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, let's see. After Scott took Jake Fraley, we saw Jack Flaherty, Michael Conforto, Javier Baez. I took Jason Adam, then Daniel Bard, Giovanni Gallegos. That's a good pick. I like that. And uh, Edward Cabrera. I thought about Cabrera. I like him. I know you like him, Chris. I think he's going to give us a good amount of strikeouts, but given how much he walks batters, I think that's going to limit his ability to go deep into starts. Yeah, that that's a concern for sure. Uh, and 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 in the spring, I think his walks per nine was three point six. Now he didn't even make enough innings to get to two per nine. You know, eighteen, if that makes sense. <laughs> So it's a very, very small sample size, but he did what we needed him to in spring training. You know, you talk about like Josh Young and some of those other guys that we talked about last week or earlier this week. I can't remember. Um, He did what you wanted to see. He got a ton of ground balls. He got a ton of weak contact and he didn't give up that many walks. So I think Edward Cabrera is someone that 
you know, this format probably doesn't help, but if he's good, you know, he'll get through and he'll get through batters pretty easily because he's going to generate weak contact. You know, he could be like Sandy Alcantara in that way. And it's just a, a question of whether he can avoid walks well enough to, to take advantage. All right. After I took uh, Jason Adam, again, Bard and Gallegos, Edward Cabrera, Tony Gonsolin at pick 223. That's pretty late for uh, someone who maybe misses a couple of weeks. Maybe it's the first mm-hmm. month. Uh, I was off Tony Gonsolin coming into the offseason because he was going at pick, like, I don't know, 130, 140 around you know other breakout hopefuls like you know Dustin May and Jeffrey Springs and guys like that. But, man, falling, uh, falling 100 spots with the worry about this ankle injury. Yeah, that's probably yeah, a I've bit been drafting of him a lot. I've been drafting him a lot more since he got injured than yeah. before it. Yeah. Probably a bit of an overreaction there for for Gonsolin. Well, I mean, the fact we saw uh, uh, a Tristan McKenzie go a couple rounds earlier. I mean, Gonsolin should be back a month before, right? Yeah, and it's a less worrisome injury. I mean, Gonsolin did have what a forearm injury last season, so that there are arm related concerns as well, but. The present injury for Tony Gonsolin is much less concerning than Tristan McKenzie's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Gonsolin, Josh Naylor to finish out round 14. And the first pick of round 15 is Evan Phillips. What's, what's the I name? Was, I was waiting for him to go. What's, yeah. what's the name of one. this uh, this gentleman here? Casey Burnt ends. Corey Cassaw. You're probably watching. And you saw me put Evan Phillips in my queue. <laughs> so you're a cheater. And you took him <laughs> from me. <laughs> I mean, his safe plus holds league. He's good pick. I'm, his numbers Great. last year were phenomenal. Um, One fourteen ERA, point seven six WHIP. He was Ryan Helsley like. Just you know, he doesn't appear to be in line for saves with the Dodgers. We don't really know what the Dodgers are going to do for saves. Having said that, and uh, we don't really care in a format that saves plus holds because we know Phillips is going to be part of the back end bullpen mm-hmm. next. Uh, yes, I, I I think it's a great pick. Would you guys rather have Phillips or Jason Adam in uh, safe plus holds? Phillips. I, I think they're I think they're right there. I think AJ Minter is right there to name another guy who is not in Frank's queue. So if anybody wants to take that guy as well, um, <laughs> wait, hold on. I'm putting him in my queue. That means you can't take him. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think I think those guys are all <laughs> ideal for this format. I got a lot of power, Frank. I got a lot of power. You have. I got really nervous because uh, I thought I was on the clock, (laughs) and then I saw the the red five seconds left, and I'm like, "Oh crap!" But it wasn't me. It was. And I'll also throw out a guy who's had a very up and down career, but you know, last season I I took this. I took James Karinchak late in uh, Tout Wars because that's a, a safe plus holds. Obviously, I think there are some concerns about the sticky stuff ban that was put into effect in 2021 and they are apparently going to crack down once again on that after standards lapsed, I think. And we've seen spin rates go back up. James Karinczak is, uh, according to the people who track this kind of stuff, using sticky stuff, I think is the technical term. So we'll, we'll see how that works, but he was awesome last year when he came back. Um, another guy who could be a very good saves plus holds guy. All right. Couple other picks that happen here. What do we got? Uh, Ryan Mountcastle <laughs> doesn't walk very much, but ah, poor guy, man. I mean, playing in Camden with that, just taking a chunk out of the ballpark, it just kind of crushes the upside potential for Ryan Mountcastle. After him, Gene Segura, Scott Barlow. I took AJ Minter. Thank you, Chris. 
Needed that. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez. And we're two picks away from Scott. Do you have a reliever yet? No. I don't know that I'll draft one until the last three rounds. Oh, okay. I, I think that's what I did last year, and it turned out okay. There's some really good ones out there. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, just kind of underwhelmed by the other names that are out there right now, so figured I'd grab some elite relievers, but you might be right. Uh, I, I used to be that lax about saves and pure saves leagues. I've learned that doesn't fly anymore. But for saves plus holds, yeah. I mean, a lot of the best hold sources, we don't even know who they are yet. Mm-hmm. Again, it's target skills and, and strikeouts on mm-hmm. on good teams, and, and hopefully that translates. After I took Mincer, Dominguez, Jorge Lopez, so we, we do see a lot of relievers going at this point. Uh, Travis Darno, likely to be the backup catcher, uh, maybe play a little DH against left-handed pitching for the Atlanta Braves. And uh, Scott, you're back up. Don't tell me it's another yeah. prospect. What do we got? No, it's not. It's it's far from a prospect. <laughs> I'm not sure he ever was a prospect. Ali De La Cruz. <laughs> Actually, I think he was a prospect for the Rockies back in the day. It's Tyler Anderson, the last of the Mount Rushmore. Ah. Going well after the second last to last of the Mount Rushmore, Martin Perez. Can we get a can we get a Mr. Anderson drop for Tyler Anderson? Probably Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. I gotta got make that happen. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh yeah, I probably should have taken him. Uh, I think once Chris said AJ Minter, my, my mind just got attached <laughs> and I was like, yep, I'm taking him. Uh, but good pick with uh, Tyler Anderson. Should go deep pretty regularly for the Angels. Uh, after that, Andrew Benintendi, Oscar Gonzalez. Ah, sneaky pick, Chris. I like it. Hayden Wesneski, who had a great spring and was named yeah. to the Cubs rotation. And uh, is throwing harder than he has. His, his sweeper was a really, really good pitch for him last year. But he talked in his most recent start at about touching 97 miles per hour and, and referenced the fact that at various times in the spring, he's been over 99 miles an hour, which is a pretty massive jump for a guy who maxed out at 95.9 miles an hour last season. So that is definitely putting Hayden Wisniewski on my late round radar. He's one of the bigger spring risers for me and uh, someone that I'd, I'm going to draft here. Already did, actually. I, I love it. I just I picked him up in the head-to-head points listener league. I think I had a six or seven dollar bid out of one hundred dollars on him, and so yeah. I, I need to move him up more. I've I've been moving him up, but uh, not enough. I mean, like I still have him behind John Gray, Jose Arquiti, guys who haven't gone yet, um, and. Tyler Malley, who had a terrible spring. And I just think I like, like it's, it's, it's sometimes hard with, you get to a certain range in the pitcher rankings when you're moving newcomers around. And um, it feels kind of like the way college football rankings work where, <laughs> well, they haven't done anything to lose this. Spot. Yeah. <laughs> Upstart this Johnny come lately up ahead of them. <laughs> And Hayden Wesneski's case, probably. And, and it's more of like, you know, we only get one set of rankings. It's We don't we can't distinguish, oh, I'd rather have this guy in a shallow league where I can sell out for upside harder. I'd rather well, have this guy in a deep league. And when, when you're drafting, drafting is different than ranking. And so, you know, you can look at it and say, I might rather have Tyler Malley 
But it also might be a situation where on March 27th, it might be easier to get Tyler Malley in the 18th round than Hayden Wesneski. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think another point to that, Chris, is if you play in a roto or head-to-head categories league, you just can't draft off of straight rankings. I mean, it comes down to, mm-hmm. you know, what what category do I need at this point in the draft? I mean, absolutely. I think most people realize that if they play in that format. But, you know, uh, I think we might, for some new players who might not realize, yeah, I mean, you know, just because you have, uh, you can't just draft your highest ranked player uh, in a format like this. You just, you got to fit your needs, so. I think that's a little reminder there. After you took Hayden Wesneski, Adam Adovino, Alex Cobb. People are decimating my cue. Uh, Brandon Donovan. <laughs> and then we are into round 16. Rafael Montero. That's a sneaky pick. I like that. Was a talented reliever last year. Plays for the Astros. Trent Grisham, Trey Mancini, Mitch Hanniger at pick 244. It's very late. Chris, you can stash him in the meantime. Uh, Josiah Gray, Jose Barrios went right before him. All right, so pitchers are flying here. Yeah, I'm not going to mess around with this one. I'm going to go with the rising, the the spring riser who I'm most excited about because what he does with a radar gun is, he doesn't get enough credit for, and that's Graham Ashcraft, who... um, has a his main pitch is a cutter that regularly hits triple digits. He came up from the minors last year, had a couple good starts, but didn't get strikeouts with a ton of regularity. Having all that velocity, changed his slider's grip heading into this spring, and this spring has 25 strikeouts in 17 and a third innings. 25 strikeouts to two walks in 17 and a third innings, and. Um, I noticed the other day Red's media was asking Joey Votto who he likes, who he thinks has the brightest future between um, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft. Just just by virtue of Ashcraft getting lumped in with those other two, I think shows how the enthusiasm is building for him among those closest to the Reds. And I think he deserves more attention in fantasy. I agree. Uh, I I was smirking a little bit while you drafted him because I, I love, at this point in the draft season, we kind of have uh, things that kind of set us off, right? So once you see Josiah Gray go, I feel like, oh, well now those kind of exciting pitchers who have made changes this spring are, are going to start to go. So mm-hmm. then it just kind of sets off an alarm in your head. All right, let me go take Graham Ashcraft. You might have been ready to take him anyway, Scott, but I feel like that happens no, a lot. You're right. This it's time like a little cue. It's yeah. like, okay, this is the right time to start making this move. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, but after Graham Ashcraft, Jose Urquidy, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Will Myers. Um, this is a player that I, I typically draft every year. Uh, it's kind of like my, my late round Eloy Jimenez, it's starting pitcher. One of these years, he'll stay healthy, right? I think, hopefully. And uh, that is John Gray. He was he was actually pretty good last year, his first season in Texas. His last couple of starts, he got blown up, so uh, it made the numbers look worse than they were. But uh, I think heading into those, I think it was final two or three starts, he had a 3-5 or 3-6 ERA. So um, he was he was useful last year at times, John Gray was. Um, and I, I kind of like him now that he is outside of Colorado. So going back to the well... After I took him, uh, Jose LeClerc, who looks like he'll be the closer to start for the Rangers, 
followed by Hunter Brown and uh, Josh Rojas. I want to look up Hunter Brown and see what the latest is on him because he was scratched from a start last week with back soreness. And it sounds like uh, Lance McCullers could be back sooner than maybe we anticipated. Mm -hmm. Uh, The latest news on Hunter Brown is that he completed a 25-pitch bullpen session on Sunday, is expected to throw a simulated game this week. Assuming everything goes well during the simulated game, uh, should be good to go for Houston's first turn through the starting rotation. Brown could line up to start the Astros' home opener uh, against the Tigers on April 3rd. All right. Nice matchup there. Chris, I, I, the issues that I have with Hunter Brown are similar to Edward Cabrera, where I think there's upside. I think there's strikeout potential. But he had bad control in the minor. So if that could limit his uh, ability to go deeper into start. So just kind of similar to Edward Cabrera, I guess, in that way. Yeah, I think he's fine in this range. I, I think he's a, a perfectly reasonable dice roll. I think... There are some who talk about him as more than a dice roll, and that's where I kind of recoil and, and, you know, get a little, uh, like, you know, antsy. But I think he's a perfectly reasonable pick in this range. All right. We are into round 17. The last couple of picks here. Uh, Brett Beatty, who will start in the minors for the Mets. But Eduardo Escobar is on a short leash. And uh, look, I think if... Daniel Vogelbach struggles. Maybe they move Escobar over to DH. Call up Brett Beatty. There's a couple of different routes for, for him to get back to, to to the Mets. Alex Lang, who should be the start, uh, the closer to start the season for the Tigers, though didn't have the greatest spring training. Uh, Cody Bellinger at pick 257. Uh, that's pretty late. Saw him hit a pretty uh, Bellinger-esque home run on Sunday. See if that can carry over. Yasmani Grandal. He's uh, if you need a catcher at this point, it's you know, not terrible in OBPs. He's gonna walk. I don't know if he's gonna do anything else, but Osmani <laughs> Grandal is going to draw walks. That I can tell you for sure. Uh, Ramon Laureano, a little bit of power and speed. Sonny Gray, uh, Colton Wong, and I should probably stop talking because uh, I'm up. I got to figure out who I want to take. You're on here. the clock. I'm on the clock. I, I think I need more starting pitching depth. And uh, which I don't know, which one of these. Not so exciting pitchers. Do I want to take? Uh, I go with this guy. I know Chris likes him. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was looking at Jamison Tyone next as well. Yeah, this guy being I, Tyone, as Scott referenced, pretty good spring, and everybody this spring is now throwing a, a sweeping slider, including Jamison Tyone. So, uh, and that's the the biggest things he's missed, right? Is uh, you know he, he's missed. He needs a swing and miss pitch, the put away pitch. You know, the control was very good last year. He does a decent job with contact, gets a a decent number of ground balls. It's just he doesn't have a pitch to put guys away with. And uh, the sweeper hopefully can be that. Yep, that is the hope for uh, Jameson Tyone. And, And something we probably haven't talked about enough with Cubs starting pitchers. Their defense should be much improved this year. So mm-hmm. with Dansby Swanson playing short, Cody Bellinger in center field, defense up the middle should be very good for the Cubbies. After I took Tyone, Ross Stripling, it's a nice little pick. I still do like him, though he's he doesn't have great upside. He's more of a high floor pick than I think uh, anything else. Vaughn Grissom, again, starting in the minors, but uh, probably a prospect you should be stashing. Bruce Dar Gratterall. Uh, could work his way into some save opportunities for the Dodgers. 
And uh, Scott, let's let's check in on your team. I feel like it's yeah. Why not? It's been a while I, since we've done that. It's very young. <laughs> You'll notice that we know youth will jump out at you. It's okay. got a got a little veteran leadership there with Merrill Kelly and uh, Freddie Freeman, but <laughs> Freddie Freeman. Yeah. All right, so we're lacking a catcher. We're lacking a second baseman, though Miguel Vargas will earn that eligibility. You've got Freddie Freeman at first, Jordan Walker at third, O'Neill Cruz at short, Lars Newtbar in the outfield, followed by Corbin Carroll, Oscar Colas. I know you got uh, Eugenio Suarez there on the bench, Jake Fraley, Ezekiel Tovar, so some upside bats to go along with oh, yeah. uh, Tyler Anderson, Robbie Ray, Lance McCullers. Yeah, you just took McCullers. I know you like to do that later on in drafts. Merrill Kelly, yeah. Corbin Burns, Kirby, and uh, Graham Ashcraft. I like the way you balance the pitching staff because you've got like two anchors, two aces, and Burns and Robbie Ray. Then you got some upside with Kirby and, and Ashcraft. And then you got a, a few more safe picks and quality starts and Tyler Anderson and, and Merrill Kelly. So it's a nice little yeah. blend there. Yeah, that was the idea. Like I said in you know two hours ago or whatever, if I was going <laughs> to invest in starting pitcher, I wanted it to be in strikeout standouts. And so getting Burns and Ray, I, th- I think that's the most predictable of the pitching categories from week to week. Um, but all of my pitchers should be pretty safe bets for quality starts. George Kirby's the big exception there, but I think he has a lot of, because he's so efficient, that could change for him here. In year two, getting a lot of quality starts. There, there's no shortage of upside on this team. It's just that the other side of the upside is downside because there are so many rookies. I mean, who is the – how many hitters do I have on my entire roster that we are confident we know what they're going to do? It's basically just Freddie Freeman. Now, I have really strong feelings about how Corbin Carroll is going to perform. I think the floor is pretty high there. Uh Eugenio Suarez, you know, if he does what he did last year, he'll be a fine investment. But there's a lot of volatility in that profile. It's it's um, it's it's partly relying on the fact that this is a nine man lineup, a nine man hitter lineup, and so I want to make sure I get the impact in each of those spots. And if it doesn't work out, if I have to move on from Lars Newbar or whatever. I think the waiver wire is going to be okay for backfilling that with boring players because it is only nine man lineups and our benches are only so deep. So that's kind of what I was thinking. It wasn't, I didn't necessarily expect to draft this many rookies, but there is a method to the madness, even though this entire league is madness. And so (laughs) like when when you're not practiced in something, everything, it's hard to be especially disciplined when it's, a format that you're not especially practiced in. Scott, madness. Madness? Madness. It's madness, this Frank. Is for designed the, it this way. This is for the people. How can it be yeah. madness? Uh, after you selected Lance McCullers, CJ Abrams, Dylan Floro, Chris, you selected uh, Tyler Malley, then Clark Schmidt. I know he had uh, seven strikeouts here in his final spring start on Monday. Uh, he's throwing a new cutter. Will be in the mm-hmm. rotation. Spencer Torkelson, Steven Matz. Uh, Matz is kind of a sneaky pick that we never talk about. Um, he's been inconsistent throughout his career, but I think this late, he's, he's better in a wins league because he pitches for the Cardinals. I, I think just drafting a pitcher on the Cardinals who can go five or six innings, good defense behind you, 
Like there's a good chance that that, that pitcher is going to get you wins. So better in that format, well, but uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Lots of also just has had a lot of trouble staying healthy over the years yeah. as well. So th- that's part of the issue too. Mm-hmm. After Steven Matz, we are into round 18. Cal Quantrill, Andrew Heaney, Jerkson Profar. Ah, Jared Schuster. Sneaky pick there, Chris. Yeah, I'm not super excited about Jared Schuster. Just like reading scouting reports and looking at the numbers. I I think it's unlikely he's a, an impact player. But at this late, take a take a flyer on on. A, a little bit of a mystery box. I don't know how much of a mystery box like a lefty who throws 93 actually is anymore, but you know, we'll see. Hey, Scott loves Tyler Anderson and he throws what 90 miles per That's hour. That's fair. That's fair. The league loved <laughs> Tyler Anderson last year. Yeah. Yeah. They should I, I, th- I think, no, I, I mean, Jared Schuster is not like a conventional prospect. So I think skepticism is warranted. If, if he, if he thrives in the majors, it's because he has that deceptive lefty element going on. Mm-hmm. And watching some video from him this spring, like the way he hides the ball behind his hip, uh, could be it. Could be yeah. what allows Jared Schuster's stuff to play out. And and you know, I'm I'm saying this stuff isn't that good. The changeup legitimately is a terrific pitch. It's just the fastball velocity is nothing special, and the slider has apparently shown some improvement. But um, oh, I was up. Oh, I got Cal Raleigh. That's fine. That's who I wanted to take anyway. I thought you timed out on purpose. No, I didn't. I just didn't. (laughs) I I was ignoring the voice that said you are up because I was listening to the sound of my own voice. I'm in love with that. (laughs) Who among Uh, us? Yeah. But no, I mean, Cal Raleigh. Look, I had fallback options at catcher. I had a couple of them that I like for this format and that I just like in general. I'll go ahead and say them since it doesn't affect me anymore. Their names are Blake Sable and Logan Ohapi, who I think both have good on-base skills. Ohapi, great on-base skills. And I was fading Ohapi until we learned just today that um, Max Stassi is going to begin the year on the IL for the Angels. So Ohapi is in now. Ohapi's on the roster. Ah. Presume he'll be getting the majority of the starts, given his stature. And um, he would, I would have been fine with him as my catcher. But I can't complain about getting Cal Raleigh this late. The the leading home run hitter at the position last year in a format where I want standout home run hitters probably above everything else. And there's clear there are clear downsides to Raleigh, but you know, 279th overall. Can't complain. Wow, that's uh yeah, nice little note there, Scott. Appreciate that on on Max Stassi. Logan O'Hoppy is someone that we uh, loved earlier on in the offseason. Big prospect. Um, for the Angels last year in the minors, lots of power, big OBP bat. I mean, he had a an OBP over 400 in the minor leagues last year. So, in a in a format like this, 16 teams, you only start one catcher. But uh, OBP, yeah, that will definitely play for uh, Logan Ohapi. After Scott took Cal Raleigh, Luis Arias, Trevor Story. That's a good that's a good pick on Story. 281. We have four IL spots. Alex Vesia, who had great ratios for the Dodgers last year. I am up. And I was hoping for this gentleman to make it to me. It is uh, David Peterson, who was named the Mets' fifth starter. I keep drafting him. I keep adding him wherever I can. I I feel like I added him somewhere last night. Or no, maybe I drafted him in the head-to-head points listener league as well. Uh, but I am drafting a lot of David Peterson. He's got that nasty slider. He looked really good in the spring. So hoping that carries over. Pitches for a good team with the Mets, obviously, too. So that is something that can help as well. Uh, let's take uh, one more break, our final break here, and uh, 
We'll talk about some Anthony Volpe team names because uh, I, I need a team name and I've got Anthony Volpe. We'll do that next on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We got these on Twitter earlier today. And uh, I don't, I'm probably going to need you to explain some of them because, you know, <laughs> duh, it's me. Uh, all right, so uh, uh, you see, this one doesn't work. Volpe fiction? I mean, uh, if you want to do, like, the Volp fiction thing, but that doesn't it work. It works. No, yeah, no, Volp fiction would work, yeah. But that's not how you say his name. No, you could say Volpe fiction and people know what you're going after. It's it's close enough. All right. I'm, I'm pretty harsh with team names, but I think that works. All right. Episode four, a new Volp E. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, that one's a little worse. But uh, it's it's got to be this next one, obviously. Uh, Volpe Gilmore. That is, I've seen this tweet already. That that's the one that sounds the best. Yeah. <laughs> of course, the one I like, Chris is not like. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's not especially clever, but it sounds the best. Yeah, it does sound the best. I don't know if I could say this one, but hopefully I can. Uh, big, big Volpes, huh? Well, see you later. So that one, I don't get that funny, one. Funny reference. It's it's the Dumb and Dumber line. Mm. Uh, big gulps. Ah. But yeah, I mean, it just doesn't. It just doesn't sound right if you say Volpe's name right. Oh, okay. Well, feel free to correct me of how it's supposed to be said. Uh, Volpe Wheeze, big adventure. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I get that one. How about I this get one? It. I just I thought it was too much of a stretch. You draft you draft Volpe, you draft Max Muncie, the Volpe Man and Muncie. Boom. <laughs> I don't like team I don't like team names that you have to read them three or four times to get it because most people don't have the patience for that. They're just going to be like whatever. Uh, and the last one here is I like the one that says some Volpe. Now I wouldn't have gotten that reference a month ago. I have, I, I, you know, I, I have, I, I have been what I have been binging the Sopranos and mm. it's, 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 it's Tony Soprano prefers his orange juice. The one that says some pulp mm. as opposed to <laughs> lots of pulp or whatever it was. Wow. Mm. What a, uh, what a fake Soprano. Got him. What a fake Sopranos fan I am. Jeez. It, I like it's, it's a, it's a deep cut. Right. And so I, I appreciate that about it. That's probably my second favorite, but I think Volpe Gilmore is the winner there. Cause it's it's more of a crowd pleaser. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll continue work, workshopping this one. Uh, after I took David Peterson, ah oh, man, I wanted to double tap Mets, Mets pitchers. That's not gonna happen. Carlos Carrasco is gone. Daniel Hudson, Marco Gonzalez, Jock Peterson, Isaac Paredes, 
Pretty sure that's Isak Paredes, actually. Apologies. It's around 19. Uh, how many rounds is this draft? I think it's 22. We still have four rounds left, man. <laughs> it's been the longest draft. Uh, I'm, I'm hitting a wall, man. Should, should we keep broadcasting? I don't even know. Uh, we can do it. We've come this far. Yeah, why not? It's around 19. Uh, Kenta Maeda. Somebody I wrote up as a sleeper. I think eventually he can get back on track. It, it's been a very bad spring, though. I've, I've got to point that out for Kenta Maeda. Yes. Uh, Matthew Boyd. It's It's been a resurgent spring, uh, though he was scratched from his start the other day. And I don't think they revealed anything that was wrong with him. So that was kind of weird for Matthew Boyd. Seth Brown, followed by Eric Lauer. Jorge Soler. That's a sneaky pick. Uh, because when he's right, he, he draws a good amount of walks. Should give you some pop. And uh, as I mentioned on Friday's podcast, in, I think I have Vol- uh, Solaire in every one of my five outfielder leagues this year. So He's really, guy. really need He's that guy to come through this year. Uh, please, a, a Christian Walker type bounce back from Jorge Solaire. Let's make that happen. That would be, gosh, that would be amazing. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Kyle Bradish, who had a uh, great spring until he didn't. He gave up like eight runs in one start. So uh, I know that he ranks very highly on Eno Saris's Stuff Plus metric. And, uh, you know, pitches in yeah. a good venue now in Camden. So I'm He's, taking a shot. He had one horrible spring start that skewed his whole stat line. But the rest of the time, he looked great and was limiting start, limiting hits the same way he did down the stretch last season. You look at his game log at the end of last season. A lot of there were a couple near no hitters. There were a lot of starts with just two hits allowed. Just seems to have that Tristan McKenzie like quality does Kyle Bradish. Uh, yes, indeed. So hoping it works out for him. And the next pick after him was uh, Justin Steele. I haven't drafted Justin Steele anywhere. I wonder if there should be more hype the around Steel. him. I know he has uh, a really good slider, but I feel like he has nothing else. And that's the issue for Justin Steele. Yeah, the, the one pitch pitcher is always a, a tough one. Uh, I, I can't say I'm particularly enthusiastic about him. With that being said, you know, I've, I've got to be fair. I, I drafted David Peterson, and he might not have anything other than a really good slider. We are so. at a point in the draft where I'm not particularly enthusiastic about anyone, including <laughs> the person that I'm likely to take with my next pick. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. After Justin Steele, uh, Liam Hendricks goes off the board and should be able to stash him on the IL as he recovers from uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, rooting for Liam Hendricks to get back out there whenever he can. Uh, Marcus Stroman, kind of a, a high-floor pitcher at this point. Scott, you're back up. Give me some good yeah, news. Tell me, I'm not sh- tell me you got a fun name to talk about, someone you're about to draft. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure who I want, to be honest. I'm going to, because I have several choices or a couple of things. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take my second baseman here, even though it might just be for one week because it is a player I do have genuine enthusiasm for. So I'll be most hurt if I miss out on him. And that is Michael Massey. Nice. So he'll occupy second base for me until Miguel Vargas is able to slide over there. And, you know, if, if Michael Massey ends up having the kind of breakout I think he could have, then maybe I'll just hold on to him and Vargas will be somebody who I can shift around as needed. Mm-hmm. All right. I've got Michael Massey in a few deeper draft and holds, so uh, banking on him as well, potentially. There is one 
kind of like in kind of like Miguel Vargas. He's not eligible at second base yet, mm. but he's going to pick it up in short order. He just got awarded a roster spot today. Mm. He's been one of the most underhyped rookies so far. I didn't need another rookie, but somebody could probably use this guy. Base dealer. Should I reveal the name? Mm. I'm going to reveal the name. No, Bryce no, no. Terang. Wait, did you say it? Is that it? Oh, you said it. Oh, I think you did say it. Bryce Terang? Bryce Terang, yeah, of the Brewers. So Joey Weimer didn't make it. Sal Freelick didn't make it. Bryce Terang did. Uh. And um, I think you could put up Thyro Estrada type numbers as a rookie. Play, being their as their primary second baseman will retain shortstop eligibility from his time in the minors. Mm-hmm. Might sit some against lefties, but if he performs well, that'll be less and less, I presume. Mm-hmm. I do have a little skepticism about about the power, Scott. I know Tyro Estrada got to double digit homers last year. I don't know if that's uh, in the range of outcomes for for Bryce Terang, mm-hmm. but he did a triple A last year. Okay, got to twelve. Right? Yeah, I know he's fast, so should definitely uh, steal a few bags. I'm really interested to see how the Brewers uh, mix it up early in the season in terms of just playing time because they have they have a few different ways that they can do things with um, Luis Arias either at third or second, playing Bryce Terang at second base. Uh, Brian Anderson is on the team, so they could use him at third or, or right field. So they've, they've got a few things there that they can uh, kind of mess around with. After I, I took Bryce Terang because... I talked you into it. Well, <laughs> he's someone that I've I've needed to move up anyway. Um, and I was going to take Yusei Kikuchi, who just got taken a pick before mine. I was trying to figure out if I could make him last another round, and turns out I couldn't. So <laughs> that's probably for the best. I probably need to be protected from Yusei Kikuchi at this point because he's he's done a lot of damage to a lot of fantasy teams of mine over the last few years. But... You know, when I was hedging on my last pick and decided to just go ahead and take Michael Massey, I was hedging between Yusei Kikuchi and this guy, Mitch Keller. I thought they were the last of the two big yep. risers at starting pitcher. Kind of a and, kind of a Spider-Man meme there. Yeah, in Those terms two guys of for making me. us out in the past. But Mitch Keller, like, I don't know exactly what's going on with Yusei Kikuchi for him to be missing bats at the ridiculous rate he has this spring. Mitch Keller is one of several pitchers who's as a cutter. And it may have been enough to round out his arsenal. His strikeout rate has been impressive this year. His cutter, he's basically led with the cutter. It's been his lead pitch. Mm-hmm. I know in his most recent start, it was responsible for six of his 12 whiffs on just 77 pitches. So good whiff rate there for Mitch Keller. And because it's a quality start league, I don't, I don't have to care that he's pitching for the Pirates. I, I mean, I could say the same for the Graham Ashcraft pick. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitchers on bad teams get elevated in a quality start league. Relatively speaking, yeah. Uh, I did want to point out with you say Kikuchi, Scott. You mentioned uh, not sure what he's doing uh, differently. I I believe I saw that he's throwing his changeup more this spring. And uh, I mean, last year he only used it thirteen percent of the time, but it had a thirty nine point six percent whiff rate and a one sixteen batting average against. So he's always gotten. I mean, his strikeout rate last year was massive. It was like one hundred twenty four strikeouts in one hundred innings or something. It was it was huge. It was just. He has to throw strikes. He gets hit so hard. Yeah. Like his his expected Woba on his fastball was like 420. His expected Woba on his cutter was like 540, which is really bad. 
Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's the problem for Yusei Kikuchi. He's always had good swing and miss stuff. Last year, he had a swing a whiff rate of like thirty percent or more on all of his pitches. Basically, it's just when he doesn't get whiffs, he gets crushed. Mm. Who is Miggy's bomber? Uh, Miggy's bombers, Alfredo. You were looking at my cue because I had one player left, and it was Michael King. <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, no, good pick. I, obviously, coming back from uh, elbow surgery last year with the Yankees, uh, and he was really, really good. So, see if he can carry that over again. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take a hitter. I don't have a hitter on my bench yet, and uh, I've been intrigued by Nick Gordon. He has dual eligibility, second base and outfield, so covers me at a few spots if... You know, Jonathan India doesn't bounce back the way I think he could, or if you know Garrett Mitchell gets off to a slow start, I uh, could throw Nick Gordon in there. I think he's going to play early in the season. Sounds like the Twins are going to use Byron Buxton at DH early on. So I saw Nick Gordon started at center field on Monday. He could play a little second base while Polanco's banged up too. So I am intrigued. Uh, someone who hit the ball hard last year and has openly admitted he's kind of selling out to try and lift the ball and, and hit it harder. So... Uh, we'll see. With uh, Nick Gordon, after I took him, we saw, oh, it's a good pick. Forgot about him. I got to move him off the rankings. James Outman, named to the Dodgers uh, opening day roster. And uh, I'm, at, I'm, I'm hitting a wall here. I'm trying to like think of like the words are in my brain, but they're just not coming out at this point. What is that? What is that day when all the teams start playing again? <laughs> <laughs> I am losing it. Uh, James Outman. I am excited about James Outman. There was a quote from Dave Roberts where he said, uh, we wouldn't have put James Outman on the roster if he wasn't going to play. So he's a left-handed bat. I think if nothing else, if nothing more, he is going to be, he's going to start on the strong side of a platoon, either in center or one of the corners in the outfield. So I like Outman. And he had really good numbers in the minors last year. So very good pick. I'm a fan. After he went, Rowanzi Contreras. Sorry, Chris. I feel like that's the first draft you haven't gotten him in. Yeah, yeah. He was on my queue for sure. Michael Fulmer goes. Uh, could be the closer-ish for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Kopech, who hasn't looked great this spring. And uh, I think he's admitted he's not 100% coming back from knee surgery. Yeah. Velocity has been down for him. Zach Eflin with Tampa Bay. Their biggest free agent signing in team history. We'll see if it means anything or not. Uh, and we are into round 21. Let's go, boys. Two rounds left. Yeah, see, even the fact that it's a 22-round draft. Come on, Heath. <laughs> what, what is this? Who does a 22-round draft? Yeah. Oh, that's the, the appropriate way to do a draft. You should never end a draft on an odd-numbered round. I have heard people say that. Heath is right on this one. No, just, just from a fairness standpoint. The, the uh, first yeah. pick's going to get the first pick in more rounds. Right. Yeah. But in an, like, even who, in an odd numbered round. Who cares who gets the first pick in round 21, honestly? Heath does. Yeah, <laughs> Heath is a man of honor and integrity. It's a man of something, all right. For anyone listening who, uh, I, look, I'm sure there's a lot of crossover between FBT and FFT listenership. So uh, tweet at um, Heath Cummings. I think it's at Heath Cummings SR on Twitter. And uh, let them know that we had the For the People draft tonight. And um, I don't know, let them know whose team you like the best so far in this one. Uh, if you could remember all of our picks. I mean, there's only been, I don't know, 325 of them so far. 
All right, let's catch people up. Austin Meadows, Mike Clevenger, AJ Puck. That's kind of sneaky. I like that. That's good. Alex Kirilov. Ah, uh, Scott. It won't be That's your, fine. It won't be yours. Carlos Santana. No. Uh, like the Yasmani Grandal pick earlier. He will draw walks. I, I just don't know if Carlos Santana will do anything else this season. I am up. I felt like I saw a player that I wanted earlier. Uh, now I have no idea who it is. <laughs> so now uh, I probably could use another. I think I only have two relievers so far. And I know that Scott's probably loading up to take to take his relievers. So, oh man, I don't think I'm going to have enough time to figure this out. Oh man. Uh-oh. I'm on Box tilt. Ticking, dude. I'm on tilt. I saw a player somewhere that I wanted to take. Who was it? Uh-oh. I'm going to just go ahead and take... Uh, <laughs> Andrew McCutcheon. He's going to walk, right? A little bit of power and speed. <laughs> Whatever. It's going to do something. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go and look at some projections and figure out who that reliever I wanted was. Ah, oh, there he goes. He's up at the top. Crap. Should have uh, taken him. Any hoosers. I took Andrew McCutcheon. It's kind of a boring pick. Scott, do you have any relievers yet? I do not. Am I going to change that before the draft ends? Oh, so you lied. You said you're gonna you were gonna use your last three picks. Well I said he wasn't gonna take one until the last three picks. Doesn't necessarily mean he was gonna take one mm, with his last three picks. I'm pretty sure he's I said I might just take one with my last three picks. I think is yeah. we can we can you know, nobody's nobody's listening this deep into the podcast anyway, but <laughs> Shout out to those watching us. Scott, there's 259 people watching us live on YouTube right oh now. Oh my so. gosh, what is, what is wrong with them? You're complaining about live viewership? <laughs> What's going on? Don't, nobody takes those comments from me seriously. They take them about as seriously as I've taken this draft. Because uh, it's an unserious league. Ha ha. Anywho. Take that, hate fest. Hey, 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 hey. Luis Renjifo is off the board. Ah. <laughs> Pedal to the metal, guys. Let's close it out strong. I know. Oswald Peraza. Someone just got auto-drafted in round 21. I mean, come on. We're using a whole minute here. Let's go. It's but like, they're not going to take the whole minute next time. That's the right. picks. Adam, I have analysis for my next pick. I don't know why Eric Swanson isn't per- appreciated more as a setup man. I mean, clearly, I like Blue that. Jays. Appreciate him. They traded Teoscar Hernandez for him this offseason. Eric Swanson last year with the Mariners, 168 ERA, 0.91 whip, 11.7K per nine. And he is like the eighth inning guy for the Blue Jays. They have well-defined bullpen roles there. And so hopefully he rocks up a lot of of holds for me with good ratios. I think that is a very good pick in a saves plus holds format. Uh, After that, Josh Lowe. John Bernie. Oh, Josh Lowe did get picked. I was, I was really like struggling with, I wanted Josh Lowe, but I needed relievers. Cause I only had one before I picked Hector Neris just now. So like now I guess I'm free to just take another reliever. Mm-hmm. Feels great. <laughs> <laughs> no, Josh is someone who uh, remember this time a year ago, had a ton of hype, uh, then struggled really badly with the Rays, but he made their opening day roster. So, Oh, nice. I think he's uh, he's worth keeping an eye on. Shout out to the score sheet league, man. Big day. <laughs> I, I drafted Bryce Terang and, and Josh Lowe and score sheet. So, all right. 
Gonna get a gonna get some playing time out of those guys. Sweet. Uh, after uh, you took Hector Neris, Chris, Brandon Belt. All right, not bad. Some some walks and some power, some OBP there. Kyle Finnegan, likely the closer for the Nationals slash Fireman reliever. Sean Manaya. What's been going on with Sean Manaya? I feel like his first start in the spring, he was hitting ninety five, and then I didn't hear anything after that. I think it maintained. He just didn't perform all that well, so it's hard to get too jazzed about it. He was another driveline baseball product, mm. was Sean Manaya, I believe. That's where the velocity came from. Hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn here. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I just it was hard to muster much enthusiasm for him because the results weren't really there. All right, yeah, looking at his spring training numbers, 408 ERA, 0.96 whip. Not terrible. Uh, 14 strikeouts and 17 and two-thirds for Sean Manaya. All right, we're really cruising now. Here we go. Caber Ruiz, Logan Ohapi, great pick. Uh, Sal Freelich, Jose Alvarado. Was that you, Chris? That was me, Jose Alvarado. Yes, a very, very high strikeout rate relief pitcher that I can throw in there if I, if I want to compete in saves and holds. Alrighty. Uh, then uh, Michael Brantley, Robert Suarez, who looks like he's going to start on the IL for the Padres. And Scott, you got another reliever. Brian Abreu. He really found another gear down the stretch last year. Final two months of the season, a .76 ERA, uh, about an even one whip, and the strikeouts, well, the strikeouts are going to shock you. 13.3 K per nine and was working, you know, late innings. He had five holds in September alone. So hopefully Brian Abreu can be, be another cheap play here for holds. And if he's not, I'm sure I'll be able to turn to some Jimmy Herget type off the waiver wire. All right. Well, it all worked out because the reliever I wanted last round was Ronaldo Lopez. Yeah, that's a good one. Yep. Yeah, I'm surprised I overlooked him, actually. I guess I thought he was already gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good pick. Thank you, sir. Uh, and the other picks recently, Taylor Rogers, John Schreiber. Uh, okay. Had a good year last year. I, I know about relievers mostly because of score sheet, and then probably like two people listening know what score sheet is. <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> it's a tremendous way to play fantasy behind only CBSSports.com as far as I'm concerned. It's it's more like you sim you simulate games based on the previous week's results. So you have a full bullpen, a starting lineup, um, and it forces you to know relievers because you need to build a full bullpen. Yeah, I know you mentioned the other day that uh, Ron Marinaccio is your closer on like three of your yeah, teams. Yeah, you can there. designate any pitcher whatever role you want. Yeah. So yeah, I got Marinaccio, somebody you could take here for holds potentially. He's still out there. I thought you were going to take him. Well, I went Brian Abreu <laughs> instead. Uh, the there's, last, but there's going to be a lot of Marinaccios. Yes, on the yes, there will the waiver wire. Marinaccios. <laughs> Marinaccios got the cheese. Hey, after Ronaldo Lopez, Adalberto Mondesi, Danny Jansen, Terrible. Brooks Raley, nice pick. Ellie Harris Montero, very nice pick. Was named yeah. a, uh, the the Rockies MVP of spring training, followed mm-hmm. by. Uh, Luis Garcia, which which Luis Garcia is that? Not, not that I should care, but 
Uh, it's the shortstop. It's shortstop. the Nationals, Luis Garcia. Because I did want to point out, with Robert Suarez starting on the IL, uh, the other other Luis Garcia is probably going to be the setup man for the Padres. Um, yeah. For the first... Love uh, three players with identical names. <laughs> what can go wrong? I want to give a shout-out to, uh, in the chat right now, this is Aubrey, and I hung in there. I am eight years old, by the way. Thanks for letting us play. That is fantastic. I believe his father's name is Chris. So Chris and Aubrey drafting together there. Uh, it's really late, so make sure you get some sleep there. And uh, hopefully, hopefully they're on the West Coast. Yeah, there is someone in the draft who is drafting from Great Britain, and uh, it's like five in the morning there. So wow. Thanks for hanging out. That is awesome. <laughs> yes, uh, and thank you to everyone watching us live on YouTube. I mean, still. 250 people watching us live are like two hours and 40 minutes in. I don't know. Should we recap the teams or should we just wrap it up, boys? What do you think? I'll let you decide. Don't don't ask me that question. <laughs> Let's recap the team. All right. Thank you, Scott. Let's recap the teams and we'll start with Chris, who is drafting 13th overall. Woo. And uh, what was your team name again? Oh, yeah. Lavender Hayes. Um, yes. And we are going to start at the top. Will Smith, the catcher, Paul Goldschmidt, Brandon Lau, Spencer Steer, Jeremy Pena, Chris Bryant, Alec Thomas, Riley Green, Mitch Hanniger. That is the offense. Uh, I really like the way it started, Chris. And then. Well, um, there's a player missing who's pretty important, oh. who will be there in about three weeks. And that's ah, uh, yes. Fernando Tatis, who I just I moved to the bench just for my own uh, you know, edification while I'm while I'm building. So I knew where my specific holes were now. If Jeremy Pena is, you know, worth starting, I should be able to put Fernando Tatis in an outfield spot. And that'll that'll make it all feel a little better. Mm-hmm. You didn't seem to put much emphasis on stolen bases. I mean Tatis should help with that when yeah. he's back. But doesn't look like a category you're gonna compete in often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping like if Alec Thomas plays every day, hopefully he'll give me some steals. Jeremy Pena should give me a decent amount of steals. Maybe Riley Green will chip in. But yeah, it's not it's not a great stolen bases team for sure. Let's move over to the pitching staff. And uh, wow, the two names up at the top there. Top there. Uh, this is a classic Chris Towers pitching staff. No guts, <laughs> no glory. Chris Sale, Jacob DeGrom, Ryan Helsley, Framber Valdez. You, you backed it up there. That is, uh, he's about the safest innings eater outside of Sandy Alcantara that you can find. Uh, Trevor Rogers, Reed Detmers, and Hayden Wesneski. So um, you got technically potentially three aces here, Chris. DeGrom, Sale, and uh, Framber. And then you did your old uh, wait and, and pick up some upside pitchers later on. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good pitching staff. I would say, you know, obviously absent Fernando Tatis, I think the pitching staff is probably more of a strength than the hitting. But, uh, you know, with Sale and DeGrom as, as the anchors, it, it could go. Well, I guess Framber is probably more of an anchor than Sale. But, you know, it could definitely go south fairly quickly. So a lot of upside, a lot of risk there. All right. Well, yeah, I mentioned you got Helsley as one reliever, and then on the bench you've got uh, Hector Neris and Jose Alvarado, hoping to mm-hmm. chip in some holds from those guys as well. Let's move over to Scott's team, and was drafting tenth overall. Starts with Cal Raleigh, big dumper, Freddie Freeman. <laughs> that's his nickname. A terrible nickname. It's <laughs> the best nickname in sports. That's a fun nickname. Come on. Uh, Michael Massey at second base, Jordan Walker at third, O'Neill Cruz, Lars Newbar, Corbin Carroll, Oscar Colas, 
Mikel Vargas, who will gain second base eligibility. Uh, any other prospects on the bench? Yeah, Ezekiel Tovar. You got Eugenio yep. Suarez for some pop there. Uh, Jake Fraley. This um, this is kind of like Chris's pitching staff, where there there is some risk, but you know if there there is upside as well. So it's very very hit or miss. Yeah, I mean, I took a very safe hitter in round one with Freddie Freeman. Uh, wasn't able to play the usual position scarcity game because I just didn't see the value there at at tenth overall. Uh, and, and, you know, the fact I didn't take a hitter in round two, I took Corbin Burns instead, meant that, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a, it's kind of a team I'm not used to. It, it's probably the first time where I didn't take a stud third baseman in round two and still ended up with one I feel pretty good about in Jordan Walker, obviously not a proven commodity, obviously not a lot of proven commodities anywhere within my hitter ranks, but as I said, at some point in the middle of this marathon, because there are only nine hitter spots to fill, I I, I think the I think the waiver wire should be I, I think I think it should have some decent options, like decent boring options available yeah. at points during the season. If if I can't find a way to make the fill out the nine hitter spots from from this group of what twelve hitters that I drafted, and, and I will say like. It's an uncomfortable draft format anyway, you know, given how off how how rarely we're doing OBP drafts, how rarely we're doing head to head or uh, saves and holds drafts, how rarely we're doing 16 team drafts. So like there's there's something to be said for just leaning into the the discomfort and uh, you know, like yeah, were you ever going to feel good about a team in this league? Well that yeah, given I mean, how uncertain it is with the with the with the I, the I, categories, it's you know, it might be a smart strategy. You know, that's, I, 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 I think I said it half jokingly a little later in the marathon, but when it's a format, I'm not all that practiced in. It's hard to be that disciplined in it. And, you know, I, I play in another league kind of like that. It's, it's my home league. It's the league I've played in the longest. So I have a little more practice in that sense, but it's obviously not when I'm drafting over and over again the same year. It's a 10 team head to head points league where strikeouts are worth minus one for hitters and plus one. For pitchers, it's usually minus half for hitters, plus half for pitchers. And it makes a big difference, especially in a league that shallow. It really thins out the hitting pool, especially. And so you find yourself just kind of selling out for format specialists in a way that you'd laugh if you saw someone else do it. But just the um, when you're not that practiced and it's hard to know what to anticipate what's going to happen and you just kind of go with your gut. And so, you know, I, I also joke that I'm not taking this draft all that seriously. I mean, I want to win, but at the same time, because it's not a format I'm that practiced in, I'm not, it's the path to winning isn't as clear to me. Let's take a look at your pitching staff, Scott, which I actually like quite a bit. You wound up with uh, Corbin Burns, Robbie Ray, George Kirby. Uh, you balance it out with some... Uh, high floor and then upside pitchers with uh, Tyler Anderson and Merrill Kelly, two of the Mount Rushmore. You've got uh, jo- uh, Graham Ashcraft in there. Mitch Keller is on the bench. Uh, and yes, that is all the pitchers. And then starting pitchers, at least. And then your relievers, Eric Swanson and Brian Abreu, who should give you some holds. Lance McCullers as well. We have four IL spots in this league. Yep. 
I'm going to pick up another reliever probably once I IL McCullers. Scott, I noticed that your pitching staff was better in the draft that we did last week as well in the head-to-head points listener league. Is mm-hmm. this is this like a conscious change throughout draft season where you wanted to wind up with more pitching? Because Oh, no. Um, all right, so it just worked out that way. I mean, I, who was the first pitcher I drafted in the points league? I, th- I think it was quite a bit later. I think it was, I went, I don't remember exactly. It was like Zach Granke and Robbie, or Zach Gallen and Robbie Ray back to back in round six and seven of a points league. So I clearly waited there and it just happened that the pitching staff came out pretty strong. Uh, in this case, and I mean, maybe partly in the other case too, just deeper into the draft. It, it may be, okay, we're drafting against podcast listeners who've been hearing me say, all draft season, I'm fading pitchers this year. I'm not investing big in pitchers this year. I'm pushing the envelope. I'm waiting as long as I can, and I'm always happy with the way my pitching staff turns out. And so there, it may have just been the case of everyone else kind of fading pitching more than usual because they've had that message hammered home. And, and so... <laughs> And so I was just kind of taking advantage of players who were falling. I would say it was a long con, basically, <laughs> is what I'm saying. And everybody, everybody felt. No, it, it wasn't really. I, I legitimately am fading pitching this year. But, um, but yeah, I think I think this kit pitching staff came together nicely. Um. And I don't regret taking Burns in round two. It's the earliest I've taken a pitcher in a snake draft this year. But I think given the sort of the weirdness of the league and uh, how few hitter spots there are to fill and because it's such a deep league, how deep we had to go into the pitcher ranks, I, I think it worked out fine. I think Burns, in retrospect, was the appropriate pick there for me. I actually just got the draft recap email. Nobody Probably. looks better coming out of the draft than Fernando Tatis and Lavender Hayes. There you go. Woo! Winner, winner, chicken dinner for Chris Cars. Stop the vote. <laughs> All right, let's uh, wrap up with my team. I was drafting sixth overall and really leaned into the OBP aspect of this draft. Uh, we'll start up top. I've got MJ Melendez, Matt Olson, Jonathan India, Alex Bregman, Anthony Volpe. Hunter Renfro, Juan Soto, Garrett Mitchell, and J.D. Martinez. It feels like I'm missing a player, but maybe that's just because I uh, pulled players up the board for OBP. Um, I think it's fine. I I don't know that there's many standout um, across-the-board contributors. I think there's a good amount of power. Tried to chip in some speed with uh, Anthony Volpe and Garrett Mitchell. Hmm. It's okay. No, I think it's solid. I, I think it's the best hitting group of, of any of our three teams. All right. Well, thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Let's take a look at the pitching staff. I've, I took you Darvish and Max Freed uh, back to back in rounds four and five, looking for a bunch of quality starts out of those two. Also drafted uh, Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rasmussen, my, my Tampa Bay Rays combo. Hopefully they can uh, go a little bit deeper into the starts. Love it. The cat feeder just went off. We're, we're feeding cats. That means it's close to midnight. What are we doing? It's it's pretty late here. Uh, who else did I get? I got John Gray. I got Jamison Tyone. I got David Peterson, Kyle Bradish. So uh, Tyone and uh, who else did I mention? Yeah, Tyone's kind of the boring guy. And then uh, Bradish and Peterson for a little bit of upside on the bench. The relievers, Jason Adam uh, and AJ Minter and Ronaldo Lopez. So uh, I got relievers on good teams that I, that I think are going to have Great ratios and, and strikeouts. Yeah. So 
I like your team best on paper. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I, think I, so. I agree with Chris. The hitting is really strong and the pitching. I mean, like, like I said, it's, it's hard. I, I feel like it's hard to mess up pitching this year. Um, but to the extent you can do it, you didn't do it. You got two high end types of Max Fried and you Darvish. Jeffrey Springs has high end potential. Some would argue Drew Rasmussen does too, though. I'm skeptical of that. Uh, I, maybe I wish you had a little more. Eh, your starting pitching depth isn't that bad. You got Jameson Tyone and Kyle Bradish on their bench. They on your bench, they could be good sources of quality starts. Yep, David Peterson. So it's I, good. I miss John Gray too. Who, I mean, if he's going right, he probably should give you quality starts as well. So, so was your was your second round pick? Refresh my memory. Was it Matt Olson? Yep. And then yeah. I took Bregman in the third. And obviously Olson, it wouldn't have been you wouldn't have considered him if it wasn't an OBP league as early as round two. But I, I think it worked out for you because you got that. I I felt like I was uh even even for devoting my first round pick to Freddie Freeman. I, I felt like I was kind of chasing power the whole draft and never quite able to catch up. Uh, and you know Freddie Freeman. Who knows if he'll be a, more like a twenty, the twenty homer guy he was last year, or the thirty homer guy we've known him to be in more recent years. Um, but if it's the former, then I'm going to really need a good outcome for O'Neill Cruz, uh, a good outcome for like Lars Newbar as a power hitter, uh, or I, I might be, I might be struggling to keep up. And what I think is the most important hitting category. Well, period, but especially in a head-to-head categories league, because I it's it's if you have a bunch of like just thirty to forty homer type sluggers, it's it's not likely you're going to lose that category very often. It's a little more predictable than stolen bases or batting average. All right, well, we're gonna wrap there. It's been a very long night. Thank you to everyone for sticking around and, and listening to the end of uh, both parts of this podcast. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thanks as always for watching and listening to Fantasy Baseball today. Uh, please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.